and welcome to our Having the Chats podcast. On this week's episode, I'll be following on from my chat with you all about my own journey, this time with Bell's palsy. For anyone who has listened to last week's episode on chronic urticaria, you'll know they both hit me around the same time in early 2019. It might be worth you listening to that episode first, just to give you some context as to how I got to where we are now in the story. As you'll have heard in part one of my story with chronic urticaria, it wasn't long before I had a second viral attack on my immune system. So we're at mid-March 2019 and I start getting what the doctor thought was neuralgia, which is severe pain. First on the right side of my face and then it moved to the left side. It kind of felt like maybe it was, you know, the pain you get around your jaw and your ear when you've got like an ear infection or a tooth infection or something like that. So for two weeks, I was on medication for sinus issues, just as a process of elimination. They also sent me for an emergency blood test, which came back clear, thankfully. And I was also on about seven tablets a day with my skin condition. So it was the 30th of March. It was a Saturday. I remember the day very clearly because I'd actually gone to the hairdressing salon earlier that morning just to cut my hair because of my skin condition. I felt that my hair was just kind of scratching on my back or itching my back or making the the itch worse. So I got my hair cut up kind of short for that. And I remember going to my son's football match afterwards. Um, I even remember it was out in Malahide. And because it was a late match, we kind of missed lunchtime. You know that time between lunchtime and dinner time. So I remember as a treat, we went to McDonald's after the match. And I remember so clearly because I love my Big Mac and I love the sauce. But this is the first time I noticed something was different. I realised I couldn't taste my lunch and it kind of had that sensation of like a burnt tongue. Now, I don't drink coffee. I don't really drink tea. So it wasn't like I had a hot drink a few hours before that may have burnt my tongue. So there was no reason for me to have the sensation. And I remember by dinner time, then my eye had started to weep. Now, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure your your tear ducts are kind of in the inner corner of your eye. But this was different. I actually had tears coming from the outer corner of my eye. So much so that while I was eating dinner, I actually had a tissue um, pressed up against the corner of my eye just to catch the tears that were falling. And my son had noticed how much my eye was watering. So it was a bit weird, to be honest. Um, I felt fine, though. Just for these two random things happening, I actually felt fine. But I did decide to ring my mom just to let her know. I, I think it's always good to be aware of your body and to, you know, maybe take note of something that's going on that's a little bit out of the norm so I rang my mom just told her look I'm feeling fine these two weird things have happened today I don't know what it is it's probably nothing but I just wanted her to know so the next morning was Mother's Day we were due to meet up with my parents for a Mother's Day brunch and earlier that morning I had been having a light breakfast with my son so I was having a bit of toast but I realized very quickly I couldn't get the toast into my mouth and I know that sounds so strange but I literally, I swear, about three times I tried to eat my slice of toast and it was hitting the side of my mouth. It wasn't going into my mouth, which I thought was so weird. So I asked my son, was there something different with my with my face? And he said, yeah, as kids are so honest, he said, yeah, your mouth's gone all funny. So I was kind of like, oh my God, what's going on? So I, I walked calmly into the bathroom. Um, 
but quickly. And yeah, I could see in the mirror that my mouth and my eyes on the right hand side were dropping. Um, so obviously you're fearing stroke. Well, at least that's where my mind went. And I don't know if any of you remember, but I always remember the ad for stroke, F-A-S-T, FAST. Uh, and I think it stands for face, arms, speech and time. So I can only describe these few moments as like everything just slowed down. Everything went kind of into slow motion, but my thoughts were like going 100 miles an hour. So I was thinking, okay, if this is stroke, how much time have I got here? Because I'm seeing that my face has been affected. My eye is affected. My mouth is affected. Are my arms about to go? Is my Are my legs about to go? Is my speech going to be affected? Will I be able to call for help? Are my legs about to go from underneath me and I'm going to hit my head off the bathroom sink? You know, all these things are going through your head. So obviously fearing stroke, I rang my parents because I really felt that, you know, any minute now I could just lose my speech or the power on one side of my body. And I was worried that my son might find me passed out on the floor or something like that. And and he'd panic. So needless to say, I ended up in A&E. Mother's Day with my mom in Beaumont Hospital again. But I have to say one of the highlights, and I know it sounds weird to say it's a highlight, but one of the highlights was discovering that the amazing Dr. Delaney was on duty that day. I mean, what were the chances? And I have to say, I was so relieved to have someone treating me who was aware of my skin condition. Bear in mind, this is my second time in A&E in the past two months. And she actually remembered me and she couldn't believe that I was still going through all the issues with my skin. So they did x-ray scans, they did CT, they did bloods. I was treated really, really well, obviously because the fear was for stroke, but it turned out that it was Bell's palsy. They put me on steroids. They also put me on antivirals. They did have to ask my permission about the medication they were about to put me on because they said, look, it might not work, but there's a better chance of rehab if I take them. There is a little bit of controversy over the antivirals, as far as I know, because there's very little evidence that they have impact and that they work. But to be fair, I was trusting in the doctors. They've seen this before. I've never experienced this before. I want to give myself the best opportunity to get better. And if taking the antivirals and steroids are going to give me more of a chance to recover, then I was going to take it. So absolutely, I did. So now might be a good time to explain a little bit more about Bell's palsy. Um, It is a paralysis or weakness of the facial muscles. And it can happen when the facial nerve becomes inflamed, swollen or compressed. So to help people understand that a little bit more, uh, for anyone who's interested, I'm going to ask you to take your hand, maybe your right hand, for example, and spread out your fingers with your palm facing towards you. And if you take your hand and put it to the side of your face so that the, the heel of your hand around the wrist area is just around the ear. So your index finger is going to be placed just kind of above your eye around the brow bone. Your middle finger is going to be just below your eye in that area, just below your eye. Your ring finger is going to be around the, between say where your nose and the top of your lip is. And then your little finger is going to be placed just below your lip. So your hand is spread completely over one side of your face. And really that mimics the facial nerve. So just where your wrist is behind the ear, obviously under all the layers of our skin and muscles and tissues and stuff, um, there's a little hole there and that's where the nerve travels through. And it could be that that's the area where the nerve became damaged or inflamed in some way and that affected then the muscles all on the right side of my face. So I hope that kind of helps you maybe imagine how the facial nerve works and how my face was affected. 
So now the pain I experienced in the previous week or two on both sides of my face seemed to add up for me now. Obviously, there was something that was happening. They say Bell's palsy can happen after a viral infection, but I had neither as far as I was aware. But perhaps the pain that I was experiencing on the right hand side of my face two weeks before you know, was maybe something, I don't know, something was brewing, obviously. But ultimately, the cause of Bell's palsy is unknown. It's not permanent. Um, I mean, it's mostly temporary, but it can take weeks or most likely months for, for the muscles to come back and start moving. Um, from my experience and from the average that I've read about in other people's cases, the average is kind of three to six months for the muscles to start functioning again. And in some cases, they may never fully go back to how it was before. But those cases are more rare. Some people can be very lucky. And after about two weeks, they can all start firing back up again. But for most people, it's it's a process of a couple of months and it's a waiting game, realistically. So because of my skin condition, I was admitted late that night for tests and observation um, as they needed the neurologist to see me. So when I saw the neurologist, he did say it was a bad enough case of Bell's palsy, but that really there was nothing we can do. It was a waiting game. He did say that, look, I could get my MRI as an outpatient and that there was no need for ophthalmology, um, which turned out to be probably a bit of a mistake, but I'll explain that in a few minutes. His bedside manner probably wasn't, you know, the best. Um, You have to think now, the whole right side of my face is, is pretty much paralyzed. I can't move it. And when I asked questions as you do with regards to recovery and how long it might take and will I get back to how I was before. I mean, he didn't really have the answers and that's understandable, but he very much dismissed it as it being only cosmetic. He really didn't seem to understand the psychological impact that this was going to have. Neither did I at the time, but I felt even in that first day or two, he was kind of dismissive of how you might be feeling. That said, the amazing Dr. Delaney came and found me on the ward the following day and she was so reassuring, was nearly saying the complete opposite in that absolutely this is something that's going to take time to heal but time to get your head around how you look, how it's affecting you and it is going to have some impact on you which was acknowledging what you were going through and how traumatic it is. And I guess at the end of the day, as a patient or somebody who's going through something medical and something that's traumatic to you, however insignificant it might seem to others, it's really, really important to have that support and that empathy. A lot of people have different experiences with Bell's palsy, but to describe my own symptoms, it was all the right side of my face. My mouth had dropped. So if you can imagine taking a drink, even taking something as simple as water or even thicker like soup, it was coming out the side of my mouth, um, which might sound funny and certainly felt funny. And there was definitely moments where I was giggling and laughing about it. But really, psychologically, I felt it wasn't even frustrating. I felt a little bit like my dignity was gone, if that makes sense. My speech was slurred. I couldn't kind of pronounce my P's and B's as much. So certainly when I was talking, I felt very, very different. Uh, For me, my vision was drastically impaired in the right eye. It was completely blurred. So if you can imagine maybe, I don't know, smearing Vaseline over the lens of a camera or a window. That's the way it was for me the whole time. My eye wouldn't close at all. I couldn't blink. So as you can imagine, sleeping was very, very traumatic because my eye was open. I mean, talk about sleeping with one eye open. It was literally that. But I had to be very, very careful because I had very specific eye care to do so that the cornea of my eye wouldn't scratch and that my eye wouldn't dry out. In other words, to save the sight really in my eye. And I was extremely sensitive to light. So much so I had to wear sunglasses indoors with the curtains pulled. 
So there was a lot of adapting to this situation, particularly in those first few weeks. I had been discharged on day two from the hospital with aftercare advice on my medication and my drops and on my iPads. So they gave me iPads to help me close the eye or force the eye to close, which meant I doubled over kind of a bunch of iPads and put that over my eyelid that I forced down and then I had to tape it down. But naturally, the muscle is involuntary. I I couldn't force that as much as I tried. I could not force that eye to stay closed. So really, it was very traumatic. I mean, after a few minutes, it would open up again and I'd have to start the whole process again. And you're terrified you're going to get dirt or dust or something into your eye. And I just terrified that I was going to actually do more damage. It was just it was just horrific. I felt honestly, I felt like I'd gone 10 rounds at Mike Tyson. I don't know if I'm giving my age away by saying Mike Tyson. Maybe I should say Conor McGregor. But yeah, it just, I felt like I was battered, to be honest. So they did assure me that this was unrelated to my CSU, my skin condition, which was great. It was fantastic. But then you're kind of left wondering, well, why is my system being attacked in this way? As my GP said, I've been knocked flying with two viral attacks on my on my body. My immune system is kind of turning on itself. So something was going on, but nobody was able to explain why it was happening or how to resolve it. So after being discharged, we really did push for a couple of days to get back into the eye specialist in Bowmount because I just felt something wasn't right. And to be fair, it's purely down to my mom for for putting in that work because I was in no shape to be on a phone sure I couldn't even see what I was doing. So only for my mom, I would not have got that appointment. But thankfully, we got the appointment uh, for the Thursday. So it was a few days after I was discharged. And when I went in to see the eye specialist, he was actually quite shocked at how I was discharged and said that I was very lucky to have come back in because I could have had permanent damage to my eye. He did an eye test. He said that it was definitely fixable and he gave me more specific eye drops and an eye chamber um, to help me with my eye. And to say that this was life changing is an understatement. That eye chamber made the world of difference. Everything was so much more manageable. I didn't have to use the iPads. I didn't have to tape down my eye. When I was going to sleep, yes, my eye was open. Now, when I say it's open, it's not completely wide open. The lid is closing a little bit, but it's, it's I mean, predominantly open. So just to have the comfort and reassurance of knowing that this eye chamber, it's keeping the area moist. So it's not going to dry out and I'm not going to get dirt or dust or anything into it. And nothing is going to scratch the cornea of my eye, which meant for me, it was just, it really just felt like it was my saving grace. So for me, the first two weeks were very much about lying in bed, pure rest just to heal. Um, I couldn't see, so I couldn't watch TV or even read a book. So I had no choice but to just lie there. So because my right eye was completely blurred, my left eye was kind of working overtime to compensate, which meant that it too was getting tired really quickly. So really lying there and resting for those two weeks was all I could manage. I did decide to Google Bell's Palsy to try and find somebody maybe online who shared their experience. Obviously, I couldn't see, so I couldn't really type anything in. So I used a voice search to find videos on YouTube and and listen to them. And I did find people. They were mainly in the UK and the US and they all had different experiences. None of them seemed to have the issues with the eye that I was having. So it was it was quite isolating. I mean, I had no reference point. I knew nobody who had gone through this. So it was quite scary. And even the fact that the medical professionals had no answers for me and didn't know how or when this was going to resolve itself was kind of daunting. I did end up being out of work for six weeks. 
I'd say for Bell's palsy, that's definitely more than you might need. But also I was dealing with my skin condition. So my body had just, you know, hit that wall. I was on 25 tablets a day at one point between both Bell's palsy and the urticaria. That in itself was massive because you're spending pretty much your whole day mapping out when you have to take your tablets because obviously you have to take them at different times. And this is coming from a person who hates swallowing tablets and wouldn't even take a headache tablet if I had a headache. So 25 tablets a day was a massive leap for me. My face was swollen from the steroids and obviously on one side was paralyzed. So I really didn't want to see anybody. I know friends were concerned and they came to see me after a few weeks, uh, but I was very self-conscious. I know they were nervous at first about what I might look like. They felt I looked better than than maybe what I was feeling. But you are self-conscious because I was aware that when I'm speaking, my speech is not the same. It feels different. I'm wearing sunglasses indoors with curtains pulled or I've got the eye chamber on my eye. You know, you can try as hard as you want to frown or to smile and all they're seeing is one side of your face moving, which looks strange and you you can see it on their face as well. So you really are feeling very self-conscious. And to add to that, my son's communion was coming up a couple of weeks later. So I was thinking between my skin and my face, I no more wanted to be in a photograph. But it is something that you just have to get your head around and you just, you have to allow yourself the time for your body to heal and try not add to the stress by worrying. I do feel that my body just shut me down. It took over. Um, I feel maybe that the skin condition was a warning. And then this with the Bell's palsy was just an immediate action just to, to take over and just shut me down to stop me in my tracks and give my body time to heal itself. I definitely became more mindful of my own body and the signs that I guess your body has given you. So if ever there was a lesson in me getting so unwell with both of those conditions, it was it was very much that. And it's interesting because I was on a nutrition webinar lately with work and the dietitian says something that just stuck with me about your body giving you signs. Now, I know this webinar was nutrition and food related, but it was really interesting because she was talking about portion size and that full feeling versus finishing the food on your plate. And maybe, again, it's just the way we were brought up. You're brought up to finish the food on your plate. But maybe think back to a time where you were where you were having your dinner or lunch and you're only halfway through and you felt full. Even if you think of Christmas dinner, we always do it. We like load up the plate with all the beautiful food and halfway through we're stuffed and we we kind of sit back, take a minute or two and then keep going. But that stuffed feeling is your body telling you, I'm done, I've had enough. But we always feel the need that we have to keep going to finish that plate. But maybe we don't. Maybe we now need to kind of stop listen to what our body is saying and act on it and see if if it makes a difference to us. So for me, there were a few things I did to try and help myself with the Bell's palsy. And, you know, there's lots of advice on what to do, whether it's physio and different things like that. But for me, I felt the most important thing was to rest. I needed to give my body time to heal. And again, a lot of that was just sleeping through those first two weeks because we all know that while we sleep, our body heals itself. Then kind of as the weeks went on, I started doing some tapping on my face. So kind of trying to fire up that nerve again. And it was only light tapping. I didn't want to put my body through any kind of stress, even good stress like massage or anything like that. I just felt light tapping around my whole face, but particularly on the right hand side of my face might work. And I did, after a few weeks, I did feel those kind of twinges in the nerve. Like, you know, that trapped nerve feeling that you might get in your eye or just under your eye or somewhere. I definitely started getting that a few weeks in and I was so happy because I felt, oh my God, there's movement. There's something going on. I kind of did a bit of light massage, but nothing too deep because I just really wanted to treat my skin with care and and be gentle with it. 
it definitely took a good few months for me. I would say a good three to six months for me to start to feel three months to start to feel a bit more normal um, and kind of maybe up to six months to nearly start moving on and forgetting about it a little bit. But I have to say it still doesn't feel fully the same. If I close my eyes now and squeeze them really tight, there's definitely a difference in pressure. How can I describe it? It doesn't feel like the right hand side of my face my eye is closing as tight, say, as the left-hand side. So for me, there's definitely a difference. Even sneezing, oh my God, I remember even sneezing. So I think pretty much most people, because it's involuntary as far as I know, uh, everyone sneezes with their eyes closed. But I really felt when I sneezed, my eye was open or it just felt like it was open or it definitely didn't feel the same as normal. So that was something that was very random. It was kind of funny, but kind of freaky as well. It was kind of weird. I also did manual lymph drainage. I don't know if anyone has heard of MLD and the fantastic Aideen from Beautiful Life who works down in the Muscle Clinic in Clontarf did a good few sessions with me. And I think for me, the reason I chose manual lymph drainage was purely because I wanted to try and eliminate any toxins from my body. And that's based on both the chronic urticaria and the Bell's palsy. So I felt it was it was really beneficial for me. Again, you have to find the lighter moments. You really do have to find them. It's kind of like that thing, if you don't laugh, you'd cry. So there was definitely moments in A&E with my mom where we were just laughing uncontrollably. Because if you think about it, the whole right side of my face is completely paralyzed. You could draw a line down the center of it and nothing was moving on one side. As much as I would smile or frown or anything like that, as much as I tried, nothing was moving. So while I was going through all the tests in A&E, my mom was there in the chair sitting opposite me. So we were trying little tests. And one of the things we did was me saying A-E-I-O-U. So as you can imagine, when I'm saying this, one side of my face is moving. The other side isn't moving. My speech is slurred and I'm not pronouncing words properly. So it feels really, really strange. But my poor mom is looking at me and I can see it in her face. Like she's trying not to laugh. But clearly I look different when I'm doing it. So I can see it in her face. She's trying not to laugh just out of care for me. I'm saying it and I'm feeling it and it's feeling very, very different and I'm trying not to laugh and then we catch each other's eye and we just start giggling and it's like that thing where you're in school or you're in mass and you know you're not supposed to laugh and you start laughing and then you keep laughing because you're laughing at the fact that you're laughing and you shouldn't be laughing and it's just one of those things and and A&E is certainly not a place to be in fits of giggles. I mean, it was no laughing matter. Like the whole side of my face was quite disfigured. So, I mean, there really wasn't anything to laugh at. You just find these moments and you just have to go with it. And even at that, you know, when you go to the dentist and you get an injection or two to numb the area and for the rest of the day or certainly for a few hours, it's got that kind of jelly feeling on your face where it's kind of a weird sensation if you touch it and you talk. It's very much that kind of feeling on your face. And at some points I couldn't even feel my face. It just felt completely numb. And then, of course, there was the tablets. I hate taking tablets. Um, And maybe that's a story for another podcast where we talk about fears or something like that. But I am desperate at taking tablets. Before I got sick at all, I would never even take a headache tablet. And at one point here, I was on 25 tablets a day, which in itself was very stressful. But I just remember being in Beaumont and lying on my bed. And the nurse came in with the pill cart or the medication cart for everyone on the ward. And... I was just watching her and I just heard this clicking noise the whole time. I was like, what's she doing? Like, because she was just, you know, sorting out the tablets for people. And then it kind of just dawned on me. And it was one of those moments where it's kind of like, oh my God, does she? So 
I asked her, what is she doing with the tablets? Is she cutting them? Is she, what is she doing? And she goes, oh yeah, I'm just splitting them in two. And I was like, but you have, you have something to do that. And she was looking at me a bit surprised. And she's like, yeah, a pill splitter. I was like, oh my God. I never knew they existed. I've gone through my whole life either using a sharp knife to cut a tablet in half or getting two tablespoons, this will, this will show you the madness, getting two tablespoons to crush a tablet that was too big for me psychologically to take. All my life I've been doing this when in the chemist there's a pill splitter and a pill crusher. I couldn't believe it and I just started laughing. I think they all thought I was crazy. But when I was discharged from Bowmount with my prescription for my medication, we went straight down to the chemist and the first thing I got was a pill crusher and a pill splitter and I have never looked back. So talk about silver linings. I swear, it was a game changer for me. I mean, I'm still on four tablets a day two years later. So that was absolutely an investment for me, massively. And the irony of the whole lot is that, I'm not sure if you know Jennifer Rock, the skin nerd, and her book and her product line, Skin Gradients. But that Christmas, two weeks before I started getting sick, I actually got a present of the Skin Nerds book because my actual aim for 2019 was to look after myself more and to look after my skin. How ironic was that? So that's it. That's the tale of my two random health concerns over the past two years. As I mentioned in our intro episode for the podcast, I really do believe that everything is relative. And while my two health scares are not life-threatening, they were enough to stop me in my tracks and need serious medical care. And two years on, I'm still under that care. No one knows why I got sick or how to cure me. So living with it is how I have to adapt for now. I think we all know that stress can play a big part in our immune function. And even though I wasn't stressed at the time, I do often wonder if an accumulation of stress over a long period of time could have impacted it. I guess I'll never know for sure. But for me, it's now about moving forward, being mindful of what my body is telling me and most importantly, taking it easy on myself, not to let that stress build up and taking time to relax and enjoy life a lot more. And that's it. So I really hope my ramblings have been of some interest to you and is of help to somebody out there. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to us having the chats today. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you like what we're doing, you can hit subscribe to follow us or leave a comment. If you or someone you know has a story to share, please do reach out. I'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch via Instagram at having the chats podcast. Chat to you soon.